Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. All right, welcome into the uh, Mark Cox Morning Show. Glad that you're with us. It is a Friday, and uh, we are uh, covering everything for you this morning, including a big standoff down in uh, Texas. I don't know how that's going to end. It should should be interesting. We could have a little, little constitutional test going on down there uh, this morning. In the meantime, we, we've got a, a proposal to, I don't know, maybe – resolve disputes a little more directly in the state of Missouri. What do you think about that, Kim, given what's going on in the Senate? Have you seen this one? No. Our friend Nick Schroer, kind of tongue-in-cheek, Nick Schroer, suggested that we should bring back duels. <laughs> How would that look? Well, I mean, they used to do it. If if you felt somebody had impugned your 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 good name, you could you could work it out. You just challenge them to a duel. You set a time and a place. You both agree on. You show up with a gun. You shoot at each other. I'm picturing like these uh, medieval dinners that I've gone to in the past where you watch the two guys on the horse. I say with a giant stick. It's, it's definitely not the official term. Yeah, the jousting. Jousting, yeah, thank yeah. you. They, a fit, they, big stick, jousting, I can tomato, see tomato. That. I could see that. But, you know, I, 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 they got to work something out down there in the Senate. Maybe this is the answer to it. Instead of resigning and 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 taking chairmanships away from people and stealing their furniture. Well, who who was the congressman, um, the U.S. congressman who had almost said, "Let's fight." Remember that? Oh yeah, was the like senator. a few weeks ago, the senator was, oh, was from just, uh, okay, the U.S. Uh, senator, Nebraska, right? Or Oklahoma, one of the two. I can't remember um, who it was. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. He <laughs> he's like, "Hey, come on, bring it right now." Yeah, you're come on, let's go to the parking the, lot, big guy. Let's go. Uh, maybe maybe that's what it uh, devolves into. Um, I don't know. It's gotten more ridiculous though. Yesterday. The uh, floor leader in the Senate called for Bill Eigel to resign. She she wants to kick him out. And meanwhile, people across the state are calling for Caleb Rowden to resign and Cindy O'Laughlin to resign. Uh, so I don't think uh, they're going to get anything done down there anytime soon. Too, too many egos at stake, for sure. Coming up, Jim Carifano. He, I'm sure he's got some thoughts on what's going on at the, uh, at the border. I also want to ask him about a new report out um, about U.S. military capabilities being at a low point right now. And I think, Jim, I'm sure we'll have some thoughts on that as well. Plus, Greg Keller is going to join us. He's a he's a Missourian. He is he's a political strategist. But he just got back from Israel where he got a, a ground level view of what's going on and really how much people dislike Benjamin Netanyahu over there. Uh, kind of that was the, kind of the surprising part to me, but we'll talk to Greg at seven thirty-five. Right now, here's the short list, please. The Mark Cox short list. All 
I mean, right right now you've got uh, the federal agents that are cutting the wire, and then you've got the Texas National Guard on orders to put up wire. I mean, this is a this is a counter uh, a powder keg worth of uh, tension. So it's very. Yeah, that's the governor of Oklahoma, along with 24 other state governors chiming in on the side of Greg Abbott down in the great state of Texas. They're running on immigration because they like having the problem so they can have an issue. But when, in fact, we have offered them the ability to solve it and they don't want to participate in that. Yeah, yeah. The the Democrats' solution to the border is let's make them all citizens. Is that a solution of anything that's acceptable? Hell no. Well, don't worry. He's a good steward. Um, but he will collapse under the weight of his own ludicrousness and go back to Cuba and do whatever he does. Oh, Tucker Carlson drawing a huge crowd north of the border in Canada, eh? And uh, blasting Justin Trudeau while he's up there. First of all, he has a cognitive disorder. It wasn't that he just had a slip of the tongue of using a name one time for another. Anybody can do that. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that was uh, obviously Nancy talking, suggesting that it's Donald Trump with the cognitive disorder. It's it's just a joke, actually. Uh, Do you remember her her daughter um, saying this? Kim St. Anjan, I don't know if you remember this or not. She'll cut your head off and you won't even know you're bleeding. <laughs> That's all you need to know about her. <laughs> no one ever won betting against Nancy Pelosi. She's, per- she's persevered. You got to give her credit. Yeah. When, did, when did, Al- was that comment Alexandria made? Pelosi, I don't know, it was like two years ago. There was some, when she was into it with the squad. And the squad was challenging her when she was still Speaker of the House. And she made that comment. Don't, don't ever mess with my mom. I grew up in the house with her. Trust me, she'll cut your head off and you won't even know you're bleeding. <laughs> so uh, anyway, Pelosi's still rolling around out there trying to get involved in this uh, this election cycle. I don't think it uh, makes a bit of difference uh, what she says, to be honest with you. Uh, Tim Scott is the one that was that he, he's the one that caught my attention yesterday because, of course, I played the soundbite for you here from uh, some lady that was on. MS, MSDNC. She was the one that was was um, making fun of um, Christina Greer. She's the one that said Tim's. She's the one that making fun of Tim Scott for being a black conservative. Remember? You know, uh, Joy. I've I've stopped thinking about Tim Scott. He will have to answer to the ancestors. I just, you know, there is no bottom to the Republican Party. We say this all the time. And for clearly Tim Scott, you know, we're dealing with people who have no shame. Uh, and when you have no shame and you have um, no real sense of a compass. Uh, we get the Tim Scotts of the world. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! No, no compass. Is that what I just heard? Oh yeah, yeah. That's what she that said. That is so op. I mean, that is so far from the truth when it comes to conservatives and liberals. Liberals, the compass just moves whatever direction they want it to, depending on how they feel that day. Thank you. We're always pointed north. Yeah. The problem is uniting to actually get go in that direction. Uh-huh. They're just scrambling, running around like chickens with their heads cut off. They rolled Scott out to let him uh, reply to it last night on uh, on Hannity. Here he is. They're certainly threatened by me. Absolutely, Sean, they're threatened by me and they're thir- threatened by people like me. Here's what they'd refuse to say. They refuse to say the truth. Under Joe Biden, crime in devastated neighborhoods, crime in impoverished neighborhoods, crime in black neighborhoods has skyrocketed. When you remove, when you defund the police, 
disrespect the police, what do you expect? We've seen devastation after devastation in big liberal democratic city after big liberal democrat city. What they're asking for is the same thing conservatives are asking for, a restoration of law and order. They want more policing, not less policing. These are law-abiding citizens that under Joe Biden, crime is high, inflation is high, Unemployment is devastating. You can't even afford to buy a house in Bidenomics. So you add together high crime, high inflation, low opportunities, and minorities, millennials, and women all looking to our party. Yeah, thank you. I mean, even this week, Ethan was talking about how In-N-Out is closing its very first location in Oakland, not because the sales are down there. What super popular, especially out well, there? I would profitable. imagine the crime. They can't handle they all the crime. Yeah, I mean that is very telling. Well, it's like you know we had to call her uh, earlier, wanting to say, well, the only thing Republicans have to complain about with Joe Biden is is the inflation and the border. Mm. Well, it's 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 a little worse than that. It's lawlessness uh, in cities everywhere. It's a willingness to look the other direction. It's a willingness to take a an eraser and act like you can just make debt that somebody accumulated that paid for a good or a service just disappear uh, for no reason. It's it's about handing out other people's money to your constituents. Boy, I'm starting to sound like I'm describing Mayor Tashara Jones. Um, yeah, it's it, it, it's a, it, a lot of problems, a whole bunch of them. Tim Scott just hit on a few of them there, and he sure sounded an awful lot like a vice, vice presidential candidate to me when I listened to him last night. Coming up, we're going to get to uh, Jim Carafano. I'll get his thoughts on the military and what's going on at the border in Texas. We'll be back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. And I remarked that if the Constitution was originally understood to mean that a state could not protect itself against an invasion, that the federal government could force a state to allow an invasion, the Constitution would have never been ratified in the first place. Texas would have never joined the Union when it did. Uh, And if you look at Federalist 46, which uh, uh, Daniel Horowitz pointed out, uh, James Madison talks about uh, situations where federal encroachment can be mitigated uh, by by state action. So- 
You know, I was born in the South. South Bronx. Jim Carafano from Heritage on the phone with us right now. Jim, happy Friday. It is great to be with you. Thank you. You know what? Being on the Mark Cox Show makes Fridays happy. So so glad to hear you say that. I appreciate you, my friend. Hey, you know, I, I, th- this situation in Texas is uh, pretty fascinating for students of history, huh? Yeah, you know, it's uh, one of the things that we did at Heritage a couple of years ago, and it's at heritage.org, is we did a, a long review of things actually that states could legally do to address immigration and border security issues. And, and we were we ourselves were so deeply surprised at the the long list of of acts that, that they could take. You know, I know a lot of people are, are you know particularly kind of wrapped wrapped around right? the the Texas response to the, the Supreme Court decision uh, on the razor wire at the border. But to me the the story that really is being told it, it's not a, a legal story it's not a constitutional story it's, it's actually a foreign policy story which is the standoff that we now have on securing the border in ukraine where you know it, it's always been us right it's conservatives republicans that have been attacked about oh you people don't care for ukraine but what, what president biden has basically laid down is he is more than willing after we spent 100 billion dollars to throw ukraine under the bus to to protect his policy of an unsecure border. So that that really shows who's who is and really really isn't serious about foreign policy. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, I was thinking as as a veteran, uh, I wanted to get your perspective on this as a retired lieutenant colonel. He, he could invoke uh, he could take over the National Guard, which is the which is the organization I believe that Abbott is using in Texas to put up this uh, wire, concertina wire in the first place, at which point those members of the National Guard who are weekend warriors in this great state of Texas are in a bit of a quandary here, right? Well, not really, because if, if they are federalized, they're going to report and do what the federal government says. I mean, I, I know many people would like famously remember when Eisenhower – uh, nationalized the federal guard to support de- desegregation in the in the south. Mm, right. Um, actually, there's a wonderful memoir by an old friend of mine who is a lieutenant. You know, um, who was a, working with the the national guard, and literally one day the governor of uh, of um, Georgia is saying, "Do not let these people go into school." And the next day you're working for the federal government, and they're saying, "Escort those people to school." Uh, there's a so I mean there's a legal legal authority to federalize the guard. There's no question about that. There you know people cite which essentially says that the U.S. military is prohibited from doing law enforcement activities, and so that I, that does it raises some legitimate questions because if you federalize the guard, what are you asking them to do? So for example. Um, we often see in a natural disaster, like a hurricane or something, the National Guard shows up. And, and in some cases, they are doing activities that appear to be kind of law enforcement-like activities. But what they're doing is providing uh, military support to civil authorities. So they're not actually doing law enforcement. They're supporting law enforcement. So, for example, when there is mass riots in California— we sent the military out 
they they assisted the police, but they didn't actually do policing. So it can get it can get pretty complicated. And, and this is where, you know, if you really want you need to get a lawyer on the phone if you really want to figure out how they can unpack. Yeah. I yeah. mean, how long do you see this playing out, Jim, this back and forth? Well, now I think we're in a now we're in a um, an issue of of judgment. How far does Joe Biden want to push this? Because remember, his, his this is not like desegregation in the South. Most of Americans wanted wanted to be desegregated, and it wasn't just that the law was on Joe Biden's side. America was on Joe Biden's side. I mean, you know, the, the president, not Joe Biden. He wasn't alive then. I'm sure he thinks he was. Um, <laughs> the Well, actually, maybe he was alive then. Uh, he would have been like 10 years old. Um, the uh, um, Here, it's not just that the, the law, you know, he might have a constitutional, a, a, a ruling from the, the Constitution that may give him some legal authorities to do some things. But you have to remember, everybody in America thinks, his border stuff is just stupid. And so are you going to push your push this knowing that all you're really doing is generating more anger against your own policies? That's the question. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Hey, in the time we have left, I see where your your uh, colleague Dakota Wood has a piece out on why the U.S. military is so unprepared right now to face our worst enemies. What are your thoughts on that? So we do this uh, um, study every year. It's called the U.S. Index of Military Strength. It's the world's, it's the most comprehensive and unclassified analysis of U.S. military capability in the world. Matter of fact, you cannot find in the Pentagon something equivalent to what what we do every year. Um, And it's quite authoritative. And what's important about the index is they measure U.S. military capabilities the same way every year. So they don't just, you know, move the baseline around and make things, you know, sound good. Um, and we've been doing this now for over a decade. So there's a very, very good trend line on this. And it really does show that um, Joe Biden's stewardship has been terrible, completely com- impaired to the, the scale of, of, of threats that we face in the world. So it's pretty serious stuff. People can go, again, just go to heritage.org and, you know, they can see the whole thing for themselves. Well, that's awesome. Jim Carifano, appreciate your insight on all this, my friend. Have a great weekend. You too, my friend. Yep. We'll talk to you soon. Jim Carifano, of course, uh, he's uh, one of the national security and foreign policy experts, uh, special uh, advisor to the president of Heritage. And we love getting him on here every week to talk about these issues. Wow. My guess is they don't have anything that comprehensive at the Pentagon But my guess is they read that one uh, and they know exactly what's going on if the Secretary of Defense is not in the hospital somewhere and we don't know it. Hmm. Coming up, Greg Keller is going to join me. Just got back from Israel. Has some uh, very interesting insight about what's going on in that country right now. We'll be right back. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 
So we're talking about what's going on in New Hampshire. We're talking about what's going on at the southern border in Texas. Do you know they're still at war over in Israel and what's going on in Gaza and Hamas and the Biden administration's over there trying to tamper with how they're prosecuting this war, which just drives me crazy. And um, right now we got Greg Keller on the phone. He's a principal at uh, Atlas Strategy Group. And uh, great to have him on here, a Missourian who just got back from Israel. Greg, uh, loved your article in the Daily Signal. Hey, Mark, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was really an eye-opening experience. I was over there for several days and had a feel for what was going on just from what we read in the press, but seeing it in person was a totally different experience. So so where? how close did you get to Gaza, to like where the fighting is going on? What did you see on the ground over there? We got pretty close. I mean, we went down south, started in Tel Aviv, spent some time in Jerusalem, but spent a day down at the border with Gaza. Really could have thrown a rock into Gaza proper, saw the security fences and and uh, drones and and zeppelins and, and and all that stuff. We went to the Far Aza kibbutz, which is one of the kibbutzes that Hamas overran on October 7. We saw it all, Mark. We saw the rape rooms. We saw the places where people were murdered. This particular kibbutz on October 7 saw, I believe it was 72 Israeli kibbutz livers uh, murdered on October 7. We saw it all. It was really it was really harrowing. I, I don't think if for people that haven't visited the, the Middle East, and, and I haven't, but I've talked to a lot of people who have, I don't think they realize the really kind of the layout and the scope of all of this and how close some of these kibbutzes are to the actual wall there dividing Gaza. Yeah, I mean, Israel is a very small country. They only have about nine and a half million people at its narrowest uh, portion of Israel. It's only nine miles wide. They're impinged by uh, Hamas in the south in Gaza. They're impinged by uh, the Lebanese and Hezbollah in the north. Syria has had an ongoing civil war. This is on their eastern um, border. Of course, they have uh, Egypt, who historically has been um, an enemy of theirs uh, in the past. They're impinged on all sides. It's a very small country, and you are never far away from a war zone when you are in Israel. It's unlike anything I've ever seen here in America, for sure. Greg, this is Kim. What, what's the tone there? I mean, are people just kind of going about their daily lives at this point, or is it still kind of a ghost town in some areas with people maybe scared to leave their homes? The kibbutzes, you know, on the borders are, are largely empty. They have also gone ahead and emptied out a lot of the kibbutzes over on the northern side just as a precaution against Hezbollah in case they start getting some ideas. And Hezbollah has been already launching rockets kind of randomly um, into Israel. If you're in Tel Aviv, if you're in Jerusalem, over the last few weeks, just by looking at it, life has really returned to normal. Where you really see the huge shift, though, is more kind of at the political, ideological, security level. There used to be a large portion of the Israeli left who believes that, hey, if we just give the Palestinians, if we just give the Islamists enough land, that will make us more secure. That will make them happy. That will make them safer. That portion of the Israeli left no longer believes that post-October 7. I think there is now a consensus in Israel that the extent to which you give the Islamist land does not make Israel safer. It only endangers them. So what you've seen in Israeli politics is, is a huge move to the security right in a way that was never there before. Yeah, interesting, because it's affecting Benjamin Netanyahu's 
uh, popularity in Israel. And he's always been a hawk. He's, I don't think he was ever in support of a two-state solution. How do they feel? I mean, did you get a, a sense of how they feel about maybe U.S. Uh, involvement or, or suggestions by the U.S. that they need to move back to a two-state solution? Well, Bibi is extremely unpopular right now. Unfortunately for him, and, I, and I'm a big Bibi Netanyahu fan because I myself am a hawk. I never believed in an Israeli two-state solution. I don't believe that that's possible. But the problem with Bibi is that every other leader, whether it's in the intelligence community, the political community, Israeli society, all of the people who were in positions of significant power on October 7 have said, we made huge mistakes, whether it's the head of the IDF or whoever it may be. He has said, we made huge mistakes. We're going to get through this initial war period, and I'm going to step down so that fresh blood and, and a new perspective can come into this role. Everyone in leadership positions in Israeli society and politics and intelligence has done that, except Bibi Netanyahu. And that's what's driving a lot of his unpopularity right now. Next time there is an election, Bibi Netanyahu and his Likud party are going to lose, and they're going to lose pretty substantially. You're probably going to see a new prime minister by the name of Benny Gantz, who is still a hawk who is not going to be immediately for a two-state solution, but is seen as a little bit, maybe maybe a little bit more moderate than a Netanyahu. But he's really painted himself into a corner here with his intransigence in, in accepting some of the blame for this. And, and it, like I said, it pains me to say that because I've been a huge BB fan my entire life. I think there's growing support here in the United States for Hamas, basically. You saw the, you see all these pro-Palestinian, you know, protests or whatever. And I saw this article on the Daily Signal that said that anti-Semitism on college campuses here in the U.S. has shot up 1,753% since that October 7th attack. I mean, that that's mind-blowing. Yeah, and the Israelis, and we heard this time and time again when we were over there, guys, the Israelis are incredibly... Um, proud of their close relationship with the United States. They know how much this partnership means to them from a security and a national defense standpoint, and they cannot win this fight without us. But we heard multiple times that one of the scariest things that they have seen post-October uh, 7 is the scenes that they have seen on American college campuses. We had Israelis say this to us time and time and time again. They are starting to realize that on our college campuses that we have an entire generation of young Americans who have been inculcated into Jew hatred. Mm -hmm. That is what is going on on our college campuses. We see it every single day. We have this cr these crazy Marxist professors who are teaching our college kids to hate Jewish people. It is part of the agenda. And people in Israel were citing those to us chapter and verse. They see that, and they're scared by that. They're worried about what that's going to mean for the political future of our country. If, we, if this new generation of Jew haters comes into American political power, what is it going to mean for the future of American foreign policy? They're worried about it. And frankly, I think we all should be, too. We should be. Greg Keller, our guest, who just got back from uh, visiting Israel. Greg, you, you point out importantly at the, at the bottom of this article— that eventually what's going on in Gaza is going to is going to be wrapped up and then maybe uh, Israel starts looking at Hezbollah but the 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 elephant in the room is Iran right it's all Iran you've got you know Iran helped plan the October 7 uh, attacks from Hamas in the south we know that now Iran of course backs all of Hezbollah in Lebanon on the northern uh, border. Iran was heavily involved in the Syrian civil war, which went on uh, uh, several years ago. Even the Houthis in Yemen, I mean, 
I'll tell you what, guys. I mean, before I went to Israel, I'm not sure I could have put Yemen, you know, out of you know out of a hat on a map or whatever. I mean, like, Iran is now working with the Houthis in Yemen to interdict, stop, and kill American and Israeli um, shipping uh, going through the Gulf of Aden and into the Red Sea. All of these problems that you're seeing in the Middle East have one source by and large, and it's Iran. So what Israel is going to have to do is they're going to have to deal with Gaza. That's in the south right now. They're going to have to figure out what they're going to do about Hezbollah in the north because they're constantly encroaching and trying to find a way into their country. They're going to have to – we are in the process now of dealing with the Houthis in Yemen. But when it's all said and done, what this is really about is America and Israel against Iran, who is a – huge, horrible factor in that region and the root of all these problems. And and I don't even have to start to get into the fact that the Biden administration has been allowing money to be funneled into Iran that's probably gone to support all of these groups over the last five years, four years now, right? It's, it, it's, the, it's the most aggravating thing in all of this uh, is you see innocent people from a democratic country, women and children being raped and murdered, and literally the U.S. taxpayer's paid for this. Your tax dollars helped fund this. Barack Obama's, you guys remember the Iran deal? We literally dropped pallets of cash from American military planes into Iran. We are paying for this. And Joe Biden has been part of that. Barack Obama was a huge part of that. It's absolutely maddening, A, that these things are happening, and that, B, we helped pay for it. Well, people can go read um, your article on this at the Daily Signal. I know there's a copy of it up there, dailysignal.com. Greg Keller, thank you for your insight. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Take care. Yeah, we'll talk to you again soon. We uh, Good to get that just point of view from somebody who's been over there because it's kind of, I mean, we're four months, over four months into this, coming up in the fifth month. There's still hostages being held. Uh, they just had 24 or 25 IDF soldiers killed the other day mm-hmm. when a building collapsed. And, I mean, it's still very real on the ground in Israel. I think what struck me, what Greg said, was that people realize the importance of the relationship between Israel and America and just how disheartened people are watching these these protests going on in college campuses here in the United States. And the lack of leadership on the part of the Biden administration yeah. about all of this, to shut it down, basically. Uh, wow. All right, coming up, guess what? Uh, whatever you think about what's going on at the border— Uh, You probably don't think as strongly about it as Tom Homan, who used to run ICE and would probably run ICE again. Maybe maybe the whole Department of Homeland Security uh, when Donald Trump gets reelected. He's going to join us at the top of the hour at eight o'clock. I can't wait to get his take on what Greg Abbott is trying to do to protect the state of Texas. That's uh, just after the top of the hour. We'll be right back. All right. uh, Welcome back. We were just uh, talking uh, off air about. This whole mess in Texas and um, and what's going on there. If you didn't hear Tucker Carlson's uh, bit on this yesterday, he was basically talking about what's really going on on the border. Re- remember the last time Tucker brought all this up? You know what they said about him? Well, he believes in replacement theory. Tucker Carlson believes in replacement theory. He thinks you're just nervous because brown people are going to replace you, which is complete nonsense. What we're worried about is what's really happening is that I don't care what color you are. What they're trying to do is import voters. That's what the Democratic Party is trying to do. That's why suddenly 
four months out from the election, they want to take credit for trying to fix it. The problem they created so they can campaign and say we fixed a border problem. They created the problem because the border was basically fixed under Donald Trump. Now they've got 20 million people in this country. And now they want to turn them all into voters. That's their solution to what's going on at the border. Don't think it's anything else for even a minute. Um, listen to, well, first of all, listen to Tucker Carlson on, on what he said about this yesterday. He's right on. Just he's he's absolutely spot on as usual uh, with his analysis of what's, what's going on. Here. Yale University released a study last week by three researchers. Carl, that was that was not what I was trying to play here. Hang on. Hang on. I, I'm not quite sure what's going on. All right, let's try this. Yale University released a study last week by three researchers, all of them liberal, I believe, who concluded that the actual number of illegal aliens in this country is not 11 million. It's north of 22 million. 22 million. Mm. Fact one. Fact two. The Democratic Party is now, as a matter of policy, calling for the legalization of all illegals in this country. Citizenship voting rights. 22 million new voters. Fact mm. three. The overwhelming majority of first-time immigrant voters vote Democrat. Fact four. The largest margin in American presidential history was 17 million votes, 1980 election, rather, 1984 election between Mondale and, and, and Reagan. And Reagan, yeah. 17 million. You would add to our voter rolls 22 million, at least, permanent electoral majority in perpetuity. That's what this is about. It's not about making the country better, serving our labor needs, helping the population. It's about putting Democrats in power forever. Are that you, is the yeah. truth of our immigration debate. Period. The numbers you need to understand. Yeah. So uh, he's right. Yeah. I mean, that's why the left will argue that that we as conservatives are discriminating against these people. If we say you need to show a government issued ID if you'd like to vote. But yeah, you're right. But it, they don't want them to vote illegally. They want a path to citizenship for the 22 million people they've now allowed into the country. I mean, that that's. That's it at the end of the day. It, it's not I mean, it's not about uh, white people being pushed into the minority by brown people. That that has nothing to do with this. That That's just a straw man argument by the left. What this is, this is plain and simple. As Tucker said, you're going to vote for the hand that feeds you. Well, right. I mean, and I, if they if their perception is that they're being allowed into this country and given a chance at the golden ticket, which we were all born with, uh, we're all for legal immigration. We're just not for illegal immigration. Right. Why would they the vote right for way. Trump if, if he's the one saying that we need to deport them? Right. <laughs> of course, oh, they're not absolutely. going to. No, of course not. Yeah. But but think about that. If the largest margin of victory was 17 million votes and you had the opportunity to grant citizenship to 22 million voters, uh, you have established a complete dominance of the electoral of the of the electoral system. They'll dominate every state. They're moving them into every state in the country, particularly, I would guess, the states that swing each uh, tend to swing each election. Yeah. Can I just tell you that I'm so glad that it's Governor Abbott who has control over Texas because he is going to handle this. He is handling the situation just like I think it should be. He's pushing back on the Biden administration. Yes. You know, he's um, sending them to these liberal sanctuary cities. <laughs> Which DeSantis also talked about yesterday. And I thought that was interesting because it, it really is a parallel. It's either you you believe in enforcing the law 
or you don't believe in, in enforcing the law when it comes to these sanctuary cities. Listen. You also have a situation where liberal jurisdictions over many, many years have been sanctuary jurisdictions against enforcing federal immigration law. So you'll have somebody who's a criminal alien, they will not be given uh, over to ICE, and they will deliberately act to frustrate the laws on the books, and somehow that's viewed as okay. You have Texas who's acting to enforce the laws on the books, to ensure that they have a secure state and that we have a secure country. Uh, so so all of this is just nonsense what Biden's doing. Uh, Texas has every right to stand its ground. We've You go, Ron DeSantis, doing what you do best, being governor of the state of Florida. We, pre- we appreciate that. Coming up, Tom Holman, former director of ICE. Uh, my guess is he's got a thought or two on this. And we'll probably light up the radio in about, uh, oh, I don't know, seven or eight minutes here. Join us right after the top of the hour. We'll be right back. Get more at 971talk.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 